Beat the bullies. Laugh in the face of danger. Fight for truth. Going where no conservative has gone before. It's time for the Kelly Truth Squad with William J. Kelly. Welcome back, Truth Squad. I'm William Kelly, and um, we have a ridiculously big show going here, an important show, because, uh, as I'm sure you know, Brian, uh, the legendary Brian McCarthy. How are you doing, brother? Doing great. Very happy uh, to have you here. As you well know, one of my pet projects for a long time has been saving democracy, and um, I haven't had a lot of time to devote to it because we're building our media empire, our TV shows, our radio shows. In fact... Truth Squad TV is coming soon. You can find out all about that if you go to kellytruthsquad.com. And, um, and we are going to really take over the TV, the TV airwaves with uh, Truth Squad TV. Uh, we've already started production on it. And let me tell you something. We actually have an ambulance and a full paramedic um, team um on on site while we're while we're shooting the show because it is so exciting and so controversial and potentially dangerous so um so that's uh that's something to look forward to kellytruthsquad.com is where you can find out all the information about truth squad tv uh coming to a tv set near you um but um we're what we're going to try to do here is give stephen colbert a run for his money you see what I'm saying? Um, literally, because Stephen Colbert recently filed for and received permission to have his own super PAC. Okay, for those people who don't know what that is, it's uh, you know whenever you see this Carl uh, Rove, the political commentator, he has a super PAC, and he raises money from all around the country, and then he produces these 30-second uh, commercials uh, that are damaging to the Democrats. And he runs them on his TV and, uh, you know, on various uh, cable network news channels. And, uh, and, you, and usually what ends up happening is people realize that the Democrats, the Obama administration in particular, are doing a terrible job as a result of watching these uh, Karl Rove commercials. Because they don't really get the information, the true information, from the news, from like the MSNBCs. And we're going to give a very specific example of why that is the case in a, in a few minutes here. But um, Stephen Colbert went out and formed his own super PAC. Well, we are getting ready to launch uh, Kelly Truth Squad TV. And we, the Truth Squad, are going to launch our own super PAC. Um, do we have a clip of Stephen Colbert? So, we do. Of course, I don't need to tell any of you the story of Colbert's Super PAC. Here's the story. <laughs> 60 days ago today, on this very spot, a young man petitioned the FEC for permission to form a Super PAC to raise unlimited monies and use them monies to determine the winners of the 2012 elections. Can anyone tell me? who that young man was it was me <laughs> moments ago the Federal Election Commission made their ruling ladies and gentlemen I'm sorry to say we won oh! 
Well, you see, there it is right there, Stephen Colbert. He uh, he has his own TV show. We will have ours. He has his own super PAC. We will have ours. And um, I am very, 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 very confident that uh, Kelly True Squad TV is going to be a huge success. You know why, Brian? Why is that? Because to a great extent, we already are a success because the, the success of Stephen Colbert's show is basically, is I believe, primarily based on the fact that Stephen Colbert and, uh, or his, the, some of the writers on his staff have been ripping me off. They've been ripping me off. That's right. You know, I was uh, Stephen Colbert. He was at Second City in Chicago. I was in Second City. I was at the uh, conservatory there. I'm sure that a number of his writers who uh, are also from Second City, and I'm sure that a number of them have been watching Upscale Chicago, the entertainment show. Okay. The improvised, uh, you know, uh, satirical imp- uh, entertainment show that I produced and uh, and aired here in Chicago for about five years, Emmy Award winning. Okay, and uh, in fact, if if you want to check that out, there there's a whole YouTube channel uh, devoted to upscale Chicago clips. Okay, classic segments, classic bits that we did, and I've noticed over the years that a number of those classic bits were then somehow worked into Stephen Colbert's TV show, in my opinion, allegedly. Um, so <clears throat> The fight is on, Colbert. That's right. Exactly right. And uh, I think that, you know, the, the, you know, so the fact that, they, that they've, been, they've been ripping us off, in my opinion, the fact that they have already succeeded uh, nationally with uh, in due in large part to stealing my material, um, I feel that that means that that's actually a good thing. You know, you know how they always say that, um, you know, flattery is the truest form of, uh, or, or uh, what do they call it? Imitation is the Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Has he been flattering you a lot? Yeah, <laughs> and um, you know the the way I the way I the way I look at that is that uh, we're already a success, but um, but we 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 are going to be entertaining, but with a purpose. Okay, we're going to actually bring the truth to the media that has been so lacking and failing the American people. Do we, do we have a clip of that uh, Chris Matthews? We do. Let, let, let's listen to what he had to say recently. Is the Republican Party willing to risk economic Armageddon in the name of religion? That is the religion of no taxes. Well, the GOP has become the Wahhabis of American government, willing to risk bringing down the whole country in the service of their anti-tax ideology. This is no phony crisis. If you're not careful, if we're not careful, the country risks becoming Greece. Not ancient Greece, by the way, current Greece. Some of them aren't complaining. There are good business people who know this game of chicken in particular is deadly and it's wrong and it's hostage taking and you shouldn't negotiate with hostage takers. I agree with you. I agree. It's terrorism. Thank you very much, Joan Walsh. So there you go. You've got this Chris Matthews who, um, first of all, compares the Republicans to Wahhabis, which I was a little, um, I I thought Wahhabi, I I thought that was that like green paste that you mix up with soy sauce. For sushi. Uh, For sushi, which... um, uh, but but apparently he uh, the his reference to Wahhabis was uh, some type of a religious reference. Can I just say when you Please. listen to it and you hear Chris Matthews, it sounds like he's telling you something while he's running. Huh. He always sounds out of breath. Right, and, and you know back when I uh, back when I used to teach my course at the International Academy of Broadcast, Fashion, and Video Games, I um, what I would always tell people is that if you want to make it in this business. What you got to do is have that um, have that Chris Matthews, uh, you know, kind of out of breath, um, 
you know, kind of like phlegmy sound to your voice. <laughs> you want to sound like that, that not only have you been running, but that you but you have a, like a really bad chest like, cold, like a chest cold, <laughs> you know, at the very, very least a frog in your throat. You know what I mean? Sure. And um, and I have to say of all the broadcasters out there, Chris Matthews is not only consistently um, consistently uh, pushing his own extreme agenda, but he consistently sounds out of breath and uh, like he has a frog in his throat. It's a, uh, you know, it, it's, it's that kind of dedication to excellence. It, you don't see that these days. Do you think it's just a God-given talent with Chris where he just naturally sounds like he's running with a chest cold? <laughs> you know, or is it something he's worked on in front of a mirror uh, at home? Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, it, 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 you know, people, it doesn't just happen in this business. I know a lot of people like to think that, 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 you know, that you get like these, uh, these opportunities handed to you on a silver platter, but no. You know, the truth of the matter is that you have to go out there and you have to practice. You have to work at it. You got to make it. You got to make it work. <sighs> I'm going to work on the panting first and then I'll get the information. later. Right. Exactly. You know, um, well, let me tell you something. It's uh, it, it will be a joy to finally be out there on a level playing field with a nationally syndicated uh, TV show uh, to go head to head with Stephen Colbert. And we're going to go head to head with the Kelly Super PAC. We're going to put all that, uh, raise unlimited amounts of money, and put our Emmy Award-winning produ- uh, production company to work uh, producing commercials, PSAs, devoted to the truth. Right on, America. More with the Kelly Truth Squad coming your way next. Beat the bullies. Laugh in the face of danger. Fight for truth. Going where no conservative has gone before. It's time for the Kelly Truth Squad with William J. Kelly. The Truth Squad's weekend review begins right now. Welcome to the Kelly Truth Squad weekend review. I am William J. Kelly, and we have a ridiculously big show. This week, it's ridiculous, Brian, the legendary Brian McCarthy. How are you doing, brother? Uh, I'm doing great. Ah, you know what? I'm very happy to see you. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be anywhere. That's just uh, the attitude that I have. We've got headlines. We've got guests. We've got pundits. So let's just get started, shall we? We shall. uh, (laughs) You know, we're we're joined with a a new contributor to the show. I'm hoping he's going to be a regular guest. His... uh, he, it's Joshua Estrin. Joshua, how are you doing, brother? How are you? You know, I'm feeling kind of ridiculous, too. So um, <laughs> I think we both uh, drank the same Kool-Aid. How did you know? Is it that obvious? As long as it's not Haterade, my friend, I'm all with it. There you go. Well, I don't think it's Haterade. I, it, it didn't say anything like that on the bottle. But um, yeah. now you are with popmuncher.com. You are you I, are popmuncher.com. Let's, let's I am popmuncher.com and and I'm also been called that horrible name Hollywood insider. Well, there you go. Hey, I'd like Ooh. to be a Hollywood insider. That would be awesome. You can you can okay, you are. Bam. Perfect. Joshua, thank you. <laughs> My pleasure. I've been working for 10 years to be a Hollywood insider and all I, all I had to do was have you as a guest on the show. That's you see, you know, my powers are, they go beyond. I like to think of myself as a superhero. I'm not exactly sure what I'm saving the world from besides gossip, smack, and negativity. There you go. Well, 
Um, you know, the fact of the matter is that there is a lot of, of celebrity news and, you know, and some of, a lot of it does seem to, you know, maybe to the rest of the country, to, uh, to our listeners around the country, it's a lot of it does seem negative. I got to be honest with you. Um, you know, we have, uh, a lot of, uh, celebrities tweeting about this Casey Anthony case. Uh, what, we, now, what's the, what do? Yeah. Well, what's the big celebrity angle here? Or that, like, why why are celebrities tweeting about this and not legal experts? Why aren't we following all the legal experts' uh, opinions on Twitter and, and, and instead of the celebrities? Well, you know, I, I think some of us are, um, but you know, obviously, with celebrity become, uh, comes um, a level of responsibility. I think it's important to remember that first and foremost, celebrities are people, and they're entitled to their opinions. Yes. But what I find frustrating is, um, you know, just like our mom has told us. When, when you uh, share your opinion, you start with, I think, I feel, I believe. Mm. Celebrities are not the final word. And so when they get on the Twittosphere, and it's a very, very powerful medium, yes, uh, I think that they need to take responsibility, and they have a right to share what they feel, but they also have five, six million followers who um, are listening to them, some of them young people who may not you know, be as... Uh, savvy about the, the political process in this in this case and sure. um it's the word it's the gospel yeah i mean and, and speaking of that i mean you you have celebrities tweeting about you know about politics all the time you know uh, alec baldwin and, and some of the others well what's your take on that uh, is that a plus for celebrities to uh you know to kind of go out after a, a politician hardcore like well again you know like I say, some of all of my friends are stars. Some of them happen to be celebrities, and I think anyone has a right to share their opinion. Um, you know, Twitter is a forum. In 140 mm-hmm. characters, you get to you know say your piece, mean what you say, say what you mean. Um, but you know, you got some haters out there too, and unfortunately, some of our celebrities um, feel that they have a right, perhaps, as celebrities to. Right. Um, to go on the attack because they have such a strong following. And, and then there are some pleasant surprises. I have to tell you that, um, you know, I'm a huge fan of what she does, if we can figure it out, Kim Kardashian. But lover okay. to death, she usually tweets about what she's wearing, what she's eating, who she's talking to. And it's usually, you know, her, her sisters and her three best friends. But when this all hit, Kim Kardashian, you know, immediately said, what, Casey Anthony found not guilty? I'm speechless. It's not going to win the Pulitzer, and it doesn't need to. But right. at least she had a reaction, yes. a human reaction, and, and didn't really, um, with six million followers, uh, put her two cents in there. She just chimed in as a human being, as opposed to maybe a, a Carson Daly, who said, um, wow, not guilty, I, I think that the jury better go into hiding. Wow. That's highly, highly irresponsible. Not only is he threatening people for doing their civic duty, but, um, you know, again, not being um, the sharpest knife in the drawer. And that was Carson Daly? Now, Carson Daly, crazy. he's making... Now, didn't I see he's hosting one of these uh, uh, one of these uh, singing contest shows now, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, was, he was the host of The Voice. The Voice is over now. And so, you know what? Right. If he feels that strongly about the decision the jury made, sure. amen, brother. That's fine. But when you tweet it out there, you got to own it as your own. Because right. some people... Some crazy folks, you know, inside of not sane, could walk into, you know, the nearest courthouse and and open fire. Sure. Carson Daly told them to. No. Um, And that 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 frustrates me. 
Now, Carson Daly, I mean, that that is a huge comeback for him to be the host of uh, The Voice or the MC. He he's kind of like the, um, the he's like the Ryan Seacrest, Seacrest of the uh, of of The Voice now. Absolutely, he's the he's he's the brunette version of, and you know, he's a great guy. But again, I think he tweeted before he thought. Sure. Well, that can and yeah. It's out there. It's out there. You know, you can delete a tweet, but. Lots sure. of people see it. You know, other surprises. Leanne Rhimes, we don't hear a lot from her. People make fun of her all the time, but she tweeted shocking this trial. Enough said. Yeah. You know, I respect that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really was kind of shocking because, to be perfectly honest with you, the, you know, the, the whole part about waiting 30 days to report a missing child, that, that kind of, you know, <laughs> that was a big red flag for me right there. I got to be honest with you. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, anything beyond that, anything above and beyond that would have uh, would have been hard for me to uh, to overcome. Exactly, and you know, I felt that one of the most um, uh, revealing and, and and personal tweets was was by Nisi Nash. She said, um, "I understand being relieved if you're found not guilty, but all the smiling and laughing when your child is dead is ridiculous and offensive to me." Right. Bravo, Nisi Nash. You owned yes. it. Now, a lot and, of the celebrities, am I right, Joshua? Do, do, do a lot of these celebrities get paid to like send these tweets? I mean, maybe not. Um, yeah, in the case of Casey. As I understand it, not tweets like this. But, but, when, but when you see celebrities saying, oh, I just found these cool new pair of sunglasses. Right. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not telling any secrets. Um, the Kardashians and, sure. and, and such out there. Yeah, they're getting paid. People get paid from probably about 2000 to, it's said, um, upwards of $10,000 per tweet. Wow. There you yeah, come. I know. We're in the wrong dog and pony act, buddy. Joshua. So, I have so, 10,000 followers. I should be making some money off of this. Heck yeah. Now, wait a second. So how, how do you find, I mean, are, are there actual uh, like uh, tweet um, like managers and agents out there, like product placement? Uh, uh, that would be your, your upper echelon of, of uh, being paid tweet and then there are companies out there that simply say give us the username and password to your twitter account and it's a whole automated system and they tweet out uh a product and if someone clicks on the link you get a whopping penny or i'm told something like that so there's a whole automated system for basically the the army of of folks on the twitter sphere who are trying to make their first million and then those folks who have realized celebrity status who like anything are just endorsing a product and they're doing it um through the portal we call Twitter. You know, it's funny because, like, I, I um, achieved my uh, local celebrity hosting a show called Upscale Chicago. Uh, UpscaleTV.com, if you want to ch- check that out, Joshua, and give me your critique next time. But, uh, um, you know, when I was, when the, when, you know, I was hosting the show, I'd go out to these events and I'd get, you know, drinks for free. People would offer me things. And it, it just made me laugh because I was thinking, you know, here I am in a situation where, you know, a week before I started hosting the show, I could have used a free drink. And now I don't, you know, I, I'm the, I'm probably the, the last person in the room that needs a free drink. And yet, you know, I'm being offered all these free drinks. You know, here you have celebrities who are being paid to tweet and they, um, you know, they're already millionaires. They can buy their own sunglasses, right? Yeah, it, it, it's kind of interesting. And, you know, I don't, I don't count anyone else's money. I, I, I really do try not to pass any judgment but you and know, that's in- why we love you joshua you know we're thank out of you. town but we'd love to have you back you know what i double dog dare you thank you brother take care Star, woman, and you
Never fear, William J. Kelly is here. More with the Kelly Truth Squad after this. Now back to the Kelly Truth Squad on the Truth and Broadcasting Radio Network. Welcome back to the Kelly Truth Squad Week in Review. I am William Kelly. And uh, Brian, do you uh, do a lot of flying? I do uh, a little bit, not too much. Let me tell you something. I um, I am a very, very patriotic American. I would say. I would say so too. I would. Um, I am very pro law enforcement. Um, but I have to say, I'm a little concerned about the way we're uh, we're handling the airport security. Does that make me? Um, does that, that? I hope that that doesn't make me sound like one of these. Uh, these um, these hippies that are out there like questioning authority. You know what I'm saying? I don't I don't think so. There's a very fine line. I know what you're saying. Because that's really not my thing. I, I don't want to all of a sudden, you know, at this point in my life, after spending my whole life being pro law enforcement, sound like I'm the guy questioning law enforcement. Because I'm because that's really not my thing. But if uh, you know if we're not safe, if we're handling this airport security in the wrong way, then somebody has to speak up and do something. And that's kind of what we do here. Is we, you know, we we ask the questions that other people are afraid to ask, um, and we always have the guests that that always know the answers, no matter what. And I think that right now is exactly one of those uh, instances. Frank Gaffney, he's the president of the uh, Center for Security Policy. You see him on Fox News Channel all the time. Okay, um, hey Frank, are you there? Hello, Frank. I am. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. How are you doing, brother? Very well, thank you. Nice to be with you. I, I'm, I'm hoping I'm going to be able to live up to that big send-up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know you are. Um, people are, are used to uh, you know seeing your face and probably can identify your voice at this point um, due to all of your, your appearances on the Fox News channel. And... Um, as somebody who you know does a lot of traveling for the show, going around to you know do events and appearances at the various affiliates around the country, I can honestly say that I've travel I travel a lot, probably more than the average person, and um, the, this whole um, airport security thing has me feeling um, very very uncomfortable. Not because I'm not not because I, I think that airport security is not important or necessary, but because I, I can't, I can't help but feel that they're going about it uh, the wrong way. And, um, I think that more than a few Americans, um, you know, uh, share that sentiment, whether or not they have a, you know, a, a nationally syndicated radio show to talk about it. Um, you know, I'm sure that they talk about it, you know, among, with their friends and their, their neighbors. W- what, are, what are you hearing? What are your thoughts? Do you, do you, I mean, is this all part of some type of, like bait and switch for the terrorists to like make us think that we don't know anything about airport security. And, and yet, uh, you know, we re, you know, there's really something going on behind the scenes that the average, uh, you know, uh, traveler is not aware of what I, you know, I don't, what, what is, what is the, what's your opinion? Are we, are we getting it fundamentally right or fundamentally wrong at this point? I think that the folks who are responsible for trying to provide our security, uh, at airports, are working within a set of constraints that condemns them to failure. 
Interesting. It makes a lot of people conclude, as as you have, that we're not doing it the right way. Uh, what what are the constraints? The constraints are that we're not allowed to look for the people who are most obviously candidates for the sorts of terrorist attacks right. that we're most concerned about, uh, because that would be in the the lexicon of the ACLU and others uh, profiling. Right. I call it triage. Okay. Triage is, of course, a medical term, which means you've got limited resources to deal with a large problem, a, a medical emergency usually. How do you apply those resources in the most efficient way possible to, to do the most good given the limitations? And triage in this instance means you start by looking for people who are most likely candidates for engaging in acts of violence, uh, specifically suicide attacks. Yes. Um, and those are people who, history tells us, are typically of a certain age, of a certain demographic, of a certain um, you know, uh, area of, of the world, of a certain religious persuasion. And specifically, they adhere to something called Sharia. Mm-hmm. And that tells them they must engage in jihad. Now, not all Muslims do. Not all people from the Middle East do. Not all people who are, you know, 20 to, to 40 years old do. But many of those who have been implicated in terrorist attacks, in fact, virtually all of those who have been implicated in terrorist attacks since 9-11 fit that profile. And I just think, you know, we're asking the impossible of folks who are sitting with metal detectors. Now we're hearing that <clears throat> they think that people might get, uh, you know, <laughs> medical or, or surgical implants in their bowels. I heard about so that they can get so they can get plastic explosives through our security system. You know, next thing we'll know, we'll be we'll be getting uh, rectal exams to get on planes. I mean, this is just absurd. And again, if we want to make sure that we don't have to go there, and we right. don't want to be blown up. We've got to revisit this question of what they call in the in the government political correctness. Sure. Um, and unfortunately, our enemies call submission, which means you can't do the most obvious, the most um, effective kinds of tools for uh, protecting yourself. You know, I I kind of wonder if maybe our enemies. Uh, who, uh, if they if they actually are just sitting back and laughing at us as, as a country as a people, that uh, when they when they turn on the news and they see this airport security um, essentially molesting you know small children uh, the elderly and uh, and then they do they, are do they do you think that they get a big laugh out of that like they like they won do they find that to be do, do you think that they consider that to be a uh, some type of a, a major victory for themselves? I think what they're doing is exhibiting contempt for us. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's laughter. Uh, maybe maybe it's just incredulity. Right. That we that we could be so um, terrified of them, so right. uh, submissive towards them. But but the question, that, uh, Frank, that I got their way with us. But Frank, I got to ask you. I mean, like, here's the thing. I'm, I don't think the American people are terrified of them. I think you nailed it on the head when you said that the American government is terrified of the ACLU um, uh, preventing us from taking the necessary steps 
to, uh, you know, to take, you know, to fight back against these terrorists. I think the American people are strong. They're, they're resilient. They're, they're willing to sacrifice. They're willing to, uh, you know, to endure all kinds of hardships. But if something appears to be just absolutely absurd on its face, I think that's where the American people, the American spirit says, okay, wait a second. This is not, this is not effective. This is not what we signed up for. You know what yeah, I mean? Well, I, I agree with that distinction. I, I, look, the American people have one thing in abundance, which is their tremendous saving grace, and that's common sense. Yes. And they see grannies and infants being uh, strip-searched at airports, and they know that's uh, – grannies in wheelchairs, no less. Right. Uh, and they know that that doesn't make common sense. And they see, you know, young fellows who fit the, the demographic and so on – uh, getting waved through, or in Although some cases, Frank, man, manning the security barriers. Frank, can you <laughs> they say to themselves, that doesn't make common sense. Frank, can you stick with us for another segment? Because I think you just sure. really uh, you hit on it. We'll be right back with Frank Gaffney after this. Never fear, William J. Kelly is here. More with the Kelly Truth Squad after this. Now back to the Kelly Truth Squad on the Truth in Broadcasting Radio Network. Welcome back to the Kelly Truth Squad Week in Review. I'm William Kelly. We are joined by Frank Gaffney, the president of the Center for Security Policy. He's talking airport security. I'm sure uh, uh, you are familiar with the story of the 24-year-old Nigerian stowaway who outwitted the TSA with uh, 10 uh, outdated boarding passes. Um, now if he, you know, if he had been under the age of 10 or over the age of a hundred, I'm sure that they would have, they would have, they would have been wise to him. But the fact that he was a Nigerian, um, traveling under an assumed name with, uh, outdated boarding passes. Um, and apparently from a couple of different reports, extremely offensive body odor. Um, apparently that was what, that that was what, um, it was the combination of those things that, that outwitted the TSA. Um, I don't know. I, Frank, are you still there? I am. What now? Did you hear the report that, uh, apparently this guy, and, and I really wish I could pronounce his name or maybe I, maybe I don't. Um, um, he, he apparently had, um, extremely extremely offensive body odor. Had, had, had you, uh, have you read any of the reports uh, that specifically uh, called him out on that, on that issue? No, I, I didn't catch that particular <laughs> that, that, drama. I missed it. I'm sorry to say. Well, believe but, it or not, Frank, the, 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 this is yeah. unfortunately yes. probably not an isolated incident. I suspect that there are people who are beating the system as in this Way or others, I uh, thought for sure you were day. about to say that uh, that there were uh, an unfortunately large number of passengers with offensive body odor. Well, fortunately, in, in American uh, air transports, that's not so much the case, but it sure is in a lot of other countries. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and all I can say is that it's one of those things that you'd have thought would have called some attention to him well, rather than uh, and, giving and, him a pass. And I do, and I bring this up for a reason, Frank. The reason why he was caught was because other passengers who 
uh, apparently did not get the memo from the ACLU that uh, that that people with offensive body odor uh, should should uh, should not be uh, singled out for any kind of uh, a special scrutiny. Apparently, it was other passengers that that actually um, called uh, called this um, this Nigerian um, stowaway out to, uh, uh, and it was because of his body odor. That they actually just said, "Look, we we just can't sit near this guy. We need to be moved." And then that was what brought the extra attention to this uh, this uh, Nigerian uh, passenger and uh, citizen, whatever. And um, and and then ultimately unraveled his whole scheme to uh, to travel around uh, using assumed, assumed names and uh, outdated uh, boarding passes. Yeah. But um, well, but the, why? the problem, yeah. the problem, of course, is that uh, to whatever extent this guy actually represents um, uh, something other than just a bad guy, a guy with uh, you know bad hygiene. Uh, right. You 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 wonder whether um, this kind of behavior, like others we've seen, uh, are you know trial runs for exploiting some of the vulnerabilities of our system. And exactly right. Can I just say one thing? Because I, I, I don't want to leave it unchallenged. I mentioned the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, as, a, as one of the engines for this kind of political correctness or, or self, uh, self-restraint self uh, that is, is exposing us to real problems. Um, yes. I want to make sure that we also uh, take note of the role played by the Islamists, specifically the Muslim Brotherhood front organizations with whom the ACLU often works, and frankly, so does our government. Um, even before the president announced, uh, or his secretary of state announced last week, that we are going to uh, begin formally engaging the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, they have been working, as I'm sorry to say, have their predecessors with groups like the Islamic Society of North America and the Council on American-Islamic Relations and the Muslim uh, Students Association, the Muslim Public Affairs Council, and on and on, which have ties to this organization which we should remember has as an explicit part of its mission imposing this Sharia program worldwide. No, and but what I, could I be just worry thing? when yeah. we get into this kind of mode where we're, we're you know, <laughs> turning ourselves into pretzels so as not to give right. offense to guys who want to destroy our form of government, this a, that's a much bigger problem than just having a Nigerian with body odor running around our airplanes. <laughs> Now, what could possibly? But what is the explanation for this, Frank? I mean, you got it. You got to tell me. I'm just a middle class guy. Grew up in, uh, you know, in the heart uh, in Chicago, actually. And 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 I and I don't really fully understand how it's possible that we could be at war um, with, you know, with the, these these uh, Islamic extremists, and yet uh, basically be at the same time working with these these extremist groups and uh, allowing them to travel uh, freely uh, by you know throughout the country well how well what is the pot what is the explanation for this I mean during World War two did we allow um, you know Nazi affiliate organizations to to operate you know freely in the United States of America 
No, we didn't, and we won that war. Right. So uh, what's we're, going we're on behaving here? In a, we're behaving in a way that is antithetical to that and right. likely to produce exactly the opposite results. Look, if you had an hour, uh, I yeah. could probably do justice to this question. Okay. Uh, let, me, let me give you the very shortest of short forms. The program of the Muslim Brotherhood is to try through stealthy means to accomplish exactly the same ends as al-Qaeda. Okay. Um, they're using nonviolent techniques, influence operations, and sure. subversion from within, and so on, to try to uh, undo us and, right. and create conditions under which they can take over. To the extent that they have used, particularly since 9-11, the false narrative that they are moderate Muslims, nonviolent Muslims, and therefore the good Muslims, the go-to guys for our government, for our military, for our law enforcement community, for our religious community, our civil institutions, they have managed to achieve something that not only, you know, Hitler's, uh, uh, you know, intelligence services, but, but, the, but the communists in right. their heyday never achieved in the way of penetration and, as I say, you know, suborning. Of, yeah, exactly. uh, of our government. And that is really what has been happening for years now under both Republican and Democratic administrations. It's, it's a much longer story to give you all the texture on it, but if you want to know how we got to the present fix... I do. I where really we are do. <laughs> missing, missing the nature of the threat, we are restraining ourselves from taking sensible steps to protect ourselves against it, and increasingly engaging in a kind of submission... Islam, of course, means literally submission, engaging in a kind of submission that our enemy, according to its doctrine of Sharia, must respond to by redoubling their efforts, as the Quran says, to make us feel subdued. So, in other words, far from mitigating the problem or making people less unhappy with us and therefore treating us better, which we're always told is, is what we have to do, we're actually encouraging them to get violent and ugly and terrifying against us. And so it's completely counterproductive. We need more programs like yours exposing to the common sense of the American people the folly of all of this so that we can take corrective action and we can insist that our political leaders stop doing what they're doing with these brotherhood fronts and uh, and the mothership back in Egypt. Well, Frank, you know, I'm just going to say this right now. Um, this is an extremely important issue. You're obviously the president of this uh, of the Center for Security Policy. Um, I don't want to be another one of these uh, radio uh, hosts that rushes, you know, people like you off the air uh, just so we can get to, you know, P.J. O'Rourke or something. Although P.J. Well, you got to get back to Anthony Weiner. <laughs> exactly. Uh, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, although P.J. is on hold, and I hope he'll stick with us for another segment here. He's a good man. I hate he, to keep him waiting. He's a good guy, and, and uh, we have a copy of his book here. But, uh, Frank, if I could ask you to please uh, stick with us for one more segment. I do have uh, a couple more questions for to. you. Thank sure. you, brother. Never fear, William J. Kelly is here. More with the Kelly Truth Squad after this. The 
Truth in Broadcasting Radio Network. Now, back to the Kelly Truth Squad. Welcome back to the Kelly Truth Squad. I am William Kelly, and uh, we are talking with uh, the president of the Center for Security Policy, Frank Gaffney, about a specific case of a 24-year-old Nigerian stowaway who outwitted the TSA by uh, disguising himself as a 24-year-old Nigerian traveling with a with a with a uh, expired boarding pass and a uh, and a fake name although his his real name um, would uh, been probably sufficient I would say it right now except I can't pronounce it he uh, at any rate got on on board a virgin airliner with a with a fake a fake expired boarding pass so it wasn't just uh, it wasn't just a, an expired boarding pass it was a fake expired boarding pass you know I would have I personally, if I was going to go with a fake boarding pass, I would at least try to make it. But you see, that's where I would end up getting caught. That shows that I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't have. Would you have gone with the fake non-expired boarding pass? Because that's what I would have done. And some Irish spring. (laughs) Exactly. So I'm afraid that that's where I would not make a good. uh, I think we better stop handing out the tips. There you go. But uh, yeah, good point. What am I doing? My God, I'm gonna I'm undermining the uh, the TSA. So uh, at any rate, Frank, um, you know it it really concerns me that in all of these cases, it always comes down to the passengers themselves somehow calling attention to suspicious uh, behavior on the part of these you know potential terrorists, and uh, and then taking action themselves. Um, you know, do you would do you, do you think that you know maybe you know, should should we just should we just tell people if they're going to board an airplane that they should just be be ready for you know to engage in hand to hand combat or something? Well, we we certainly rely on, as I said, not only the good sense of common sense of the American people. We we rely on their eyes and ears. Yes. To see things that uh, the 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 prism through which the authorities are looking uh, may not see things, or, or they simply may not be able to be omniscient. Uh, of course, they're not. But uh, we we have, of course, had a, uh, an experience on 9-11 when yes. uh, the people on a plane had to take matters into their own hands once they discovered what was going on to, to prevent, who knows, the White House, the Capitol, of something else here in Washington from being destroyed by, uh, by those uh, Sharia adherents. Murderers. Yes, uh, it may come to that again. I don't know. I hope not. I I, I really believe that if we are um, able to inject some of that common sense of the American people, if we're able to equip them, as the folks on that flight were, with the kind of information they need to understand the problem. And if I may shamelessly flog a, a book that we've Please. written on the subject, which I really think is required reading, if you want to know what's going on here, it's called Sharia. The Threat to America, and okay. you can download it for free if you want at shariathethreat.com or get it at Amazon or it's, a, it's an e-book. But the main thing about it is that it offers indisputable documentation from organizations like the Muslim Brotherhood itself that explain what their program is for destroying this country from within. Sure enough. By our own hands. 
Right. And once you start seeing that connective tissue, the dots actually can be connected, and your own sense, your own good judgment can kick in, and uh, and we may be able to save this country and, and keep it Sharia-free. Well, I, I think that, you know, really the, the lesson here is that Americans have to get back to the spirit that I think was just common sense, uh, you know, during my parents' generation, uh, and that is that, you know, you, you can be patriotic, you can stand up for, for, for law enforcement and for what's right, and, and don't be ashamed or don't feel that you have to inhibit yourself and your own common sense and that, that voice in your own, in your own, you know, in your own soul that tells you to speak up and, and, and stand up for what you, what you know is right. And, you know, and like you said, you know, the ACLU and these other, these other people, you know, in our society have actually over, over the decades convinced Americans that they have to be quiet, that, you know, that they have to, uh, you know, be accepting of, you know, almost anything, uh, you know, in the name of, uh, political correctness or something when, you know, when we, we're literally in a situation where we, we are at war, you know, we should be doing everything in our, in our power to win that war and not, you know, try to uh, avoid hurting the feelings of the people that are trying to kill us. We have got, I think, uh, a generation, maybe two, that have been indoctrinated in the belief that uh, there's really nothing so great about America. In fact, there's a lot of things that are wrong with America. Wow. Uh, that multiculturalism is, is, is a much preferable um, way to, to see the world and, and to think about uh, you know, your own country. Uh, other cultures are preferable to ours. Uh, other people are, have, uh, have you know, a better beat on, on uh, how the world should be run, and therefore we should defer to them, and so on. And, and I mean, these chickens are coming home to roost. Right. We've got people who understand very well that they can play on those um, misperceptions. Sure. The, the, the effect of that kind of brainwashing, really. And they've equip themselves to use our civil liberties against us right. towards our own destruction. And that goes back to what you started with at the very beginning. How did we get into this fix at TSA? It's a microcosm of some of these larger cultural forces. It's a microcosm of the kind of efforts that uh, the ACLU on the left and the Islamists on their, their own side are making to, to exploit our, our lack of appreciation of what this country is all about and to use the very freedoms that make it such an exceptional place um, to help, you know, achieve the destruction of it uh, in the service of something else. And for the left, it's a, it's a, I don't know, some sort of one world government or transnational arrangement for the adherence to Sharia. It, it's the caliphate. Right. And they may come and cause, and we don't do anything about it at our extreme peril. Well, Frank, I, I truly appreciate what you're doing with the uh, the Center for Security Policy. I, I hope that all of uh, the Truth Squad listeners will uh, download the the uh, the book that uh, that you've uh, that you've written. If, uh, could you tell us again how they can go about doing that? Well, they they can get it as a PDF by going to Sharia: The Threat to America. They can get it at Amazon as an old-fashioned book, or they can get it uh, via Kindle um, at, or Amazon uh, as an e-book. And, and just check it out. And, and let me just say very quickly, if yes, I may, one, one short course in it 
is an appendix to the book. Just just go grab that. It's appendix two. It is the strategic plan of the Muslim Brotherhood for America. And it tells you all you really need to know about sure. what we're up against and what we need to do to stop it. You know, the weird thing about it, Frank, is you almost, at this point, they don't really even have to commit any terrorist action against America. In fact, it, it would almost seem to be counterproductive for them at this point. All they have to do is come to this country uh, legally, illegally, and just, you know, live here, start a business, uh, get themselves elected to high public office. And, I mean, there, there's really no, there, there, there's nothing preventing them from just taking over the country by, by simply, um, in, you know, just simply coming here, living, working, and uh, getting themselves elected or, uh, or you know, appointed to uh, any, any job in government that they want. There are lots of ways to infiltrate and undermine an open society. Right. And what I'm all about and what we're doing at the Center for Security Policy is is trying to figure out ways that we can preserve an open society because none of us want to live in a in a in a police state right. which might well be what we wind up with if we don't stop these guys either because Sharia succeeds or because they create conditions under which we cry out for public safety at the expense of our civil liberties. Sure. We need to we need to get clear about the nature of this enemy and we need to stop them now. And I think this book, Sharia the Threat to America, is a terrific primer on both the problem and what we can begin to do to stop it from metastasizing further. Well, Frank, I truly appreciate what you're doing. I hope that uh that you'll uh, be a guest uh uh uh, on the Truth Squad in the future. and uh, I'd love to. Thanks for having me on and extending me and uh, give my best to PJ. You got it, brother. Take care. You know, Brian, it's really amazing, uh, what, you know, when you think about it, that, you know, that, that because of the nature of our society and our freedom, that, that really, you know, these Islamic extremists, they don't really have to, to do any kind of terrorist activity in order to, in, in order to invade our country. They can literally just come here Get a job, go to school, um, get a, you know, run for public office. Why? Why do they even feel that they need to blow something up when they can essentially just walk in and uh, take whatever they want without without blowing anything up? There's a lot of stuff they can get to out in the open. Yes, exactly. It's uh, it's it, it is it is a scary thing, um, and especially with these reports of uh, terrorists now trying to uh, surgically implant bombs in uh, in some of these uh, suicide bombers. But uh, thank you, Frank, and stick with us for the second hour. We're going to get a talk about uh, some upcoming movies and other events. Right on, America. More with the Kelly Truth Squad coming your way. The Truth in Broadcasting Radio Network. Now, back to the Kelly Truth Squad. Welcome back, Truth Squad. I am William Kelly. And uh, you know what? We're not all just serious, serious issues here trying to save, you know, democracy. Although that is a pet project of mine that I have been working on for some time. And I I should devote more time to it. I I feel kind of bad uh, that I don't. But 
Uh, but we also have fun because I believe in the ancient Greek philosophy of balance. Okay, you got to balance the serious with with the with the not so serious, and that's why for the new season of KTS uh, TV, Kelly True Squad Television, we're going to have a segment, a, a regular segment called Bill at the Movies. Why? Because I enjoy going to the movies, especially when it's free. And um, and now that I'm doing these movie reviews, I get to go to the movies all the time, which I never did before. That is a nice perk. It is a huge, huge perk. And and we also do movie parties now. Uh, our last one was for the movie Atlas Shrugged. We had uh, uh, the uh, the film's producer, director, you know, all the good uh, people here in, in the city, all of uh, the Truth Squad friends, fans, and followers. They came out and uh, enjoyed a, a free movie and champagne and at the Wit Hotel in their great screening room there. And we're going to be doing that on a regular basis. In fact... We're going to be having a party for uh, for a movie that's coming out called Captain America, a movie that I've been waiting my entire life for, and, <laughs> and that's actually that's true, isn't that weird? That that what? it seems like everything that I've been waiting my entire life for, having a, a nationally syndicated radio show, nationally syndicated uh, uh, column, nationally syndicated TV show, uh, it all it's all I, it's all happening now. You're getting things off your bucket list. Exactly right, and it's all happening in 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 one year. Um, and, uh, and, and now this Captain America and a great guy, a guy who writes, uh, for big Hollywood. He, he is big Hollywood. What am I talking about? Alexander Marlowe. Alex, uh, are you there? Hey, Mr. Kelly. Thanks for having me. Are you kidding me? Thanks for being here. Now, do, can I call you Alex or Alexander? What, which do you prefer? Yeah, Alex is good. Alexander just looks a little better on the page. I think Alex sounds better. There so, you go, uh, Alex. Yeah, people, I, I, I'm telling you right now, if I, if I had a dollar for every time somebody said, is it William or Bill, I would be yeah. a multimillionaire right now, okay? Yeah, I, I could just go with Alex, but it just doesn't, it just doesn't, look, it doesn't look as serious in print. Alexander, but I was. It sounds too pompous if I introduce myself as Alexander. So <laughs> it's our burden. It's just Bill and William, Alex and Alexander. We have to deal with this for our whole lives. It, exactly. It's our little William. There you go. But, um, you know, it's so funny. I, I want to just talk about something fun, something I've looked forward to my whole life, and yet it's tainted with, uh, with some of this, uh, this crazy anti American uh, uh, rhetoric. Uh, the movie Captain America, I, by the way, excellent, excellent, excellent column analysis of yours on the, uh, the great Captain America movie and controversy at BigHollywood.com. Um, apparently, they, there are countries in the world who are, not, uh, who, who are opting out of calling the movie Captain America. They want to call it First Avenger so as not to offend people. Um, what, what is, what's really going on here, Alex? Because this is the kind of stuff that just boggles my mind. Well, here's the story, uh, what happened. And it's actually, this is a, this one had a happy ending. Uh, ah. most, but, but Paramount and Marvel Studios uh, basically gave international distributors the option of calling the movie either Captain America First Avenger, or just the First Avenger. Uh-huh. Uh, if you look through the history of, of uh, international releases, America is occasionally considered a four-letter word, hmm. uh, because apparently some people don't like us, but I, I think more accurately, 
some people who are in charge of uh, some of the uh, left-wing entertainment industry types who are in charge of making these decisions might have the false perception that people don't like us and don't like the word America. Alex, as it you, turns out, yes. it was offered up to the entire world, and only three countries elected to drop America from the title. Everyone else said, no, leave it in. We want, we want the character to be Captain America. We think that will make for uh, better ticket sales and for a general better atmosphere surrounding the movie. Yes. So, uh, so, so some people have picked up on the fact that three countries opted out, which I'm sure we can talk about. Sure. Uh, but I, I've keyed in more to the fact that all the others were, no, no, we don't think America's that bad. In fact, if it's going to be a military superhero, I think it makes sense if it's uh, Captain America and not just the first Avenger, which no one's ever heard of. Now, what are the so, countries that, that opted out? What are the countries that said, no, we want Captain America to be Captain Avenger, not Captain America? Yeah, the first of the the, uh, uh, the first Avengers. The three countries that opted out, I think two are not particularly surprising, which is Russia and the Ukraine. Uh, <laughs> which you, you could imagine that in those countries, that the, the the they're run by such a totalitarian atmosphere, you would think that there a, a a few people could make a bad decision there. Uh, to not make America look heroic. Well, what I don't understand, Alex, yeah. I mean, what, knowing what I know about this, uh, that Eastern European uh, style over there with the with the Ukrainians and the uh, and the Russians, is that uh, and the uh, Uzbekistanis and the uh, Azerbaijanis, is that they uh, well, probably what they're going to be doing is just pirating copies of the movie anyway. So what does it really matter? <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, do you really think that Hollywood is ever going to see a dollar? Uh, of those ticket sales? You know, it's hard to say, uh, but I do know that nowadays international box offices practically double what domestic box office is. So this is a huge component to filmmaking, is trying to not just target American audiences. Films are generally being made for the international community at this point. So uh, I don't know how much of that is, is Russia and the Ukraine. Uh, I would imagine that those aren't the biggest uh, consumers of American popular culture, especially considering there's the um, just just the amount of pirating that's out there. Well, Alex, uh, I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, I don't want to give away any any a bad impression. Okay, now that I'm a nationally uh, national conservative spokesperson, I should probably keep these thoughts to myself. Okay, but uh, being from the South Side of Chicago, what I would do is I would just go to the Russian mafia and just say, "Look, here's the deal. Call whatever the heck you want. I just want half of the uh, of the those bootleg uh, uh, DVDs that you're going to be selling out on the street. That just just give me half." Of whatever, whatever, you, whatever you take, and I guarantee you that that the take there, that, that whatever, you know, that's going to be more than uh, probably with the ticket sales that they're going to pull down uh, right here in the good old USA of America. Well, you know that's some creative thinking outside the box, and Hollywood can <laughs> really use a guy like yourself. <laughs> you know that. Well, you see, I, I'm here. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Um, you but, know, one thing about Russia in particular that there was a documentary that came out just a month or two ago. Uh, by one of the executive producers of Everybody Loves Raymond. And it was about him taking Everybody Loves Raymond and trying to sell it to Russia to be remade in Russia uh, in in Russian. Oh, and it's Alex. basically about how, how incompetent uh, the, uh, the just Russians are in general when it comes to consuming American pop culture. Alex. Their number one show of all time, I think, was, was The Nanny. 
which is just, oh. I think, irritated just about every single American. Alex, if, like you, if you could stick with us, can you, can you stick with well, us for one more segment, Alex? Sure, absolutely. Awesome. Thank you, brother. Never fear, William J. Kelly is here. More with the Kelly Truth Squad after this. The Truth in Broadcasting Radio Network. Now, back to the Kelly Truth Squad. Welcome back to the Kelly Truth Squad Week in Review. I am William Kelly, and and I, w- I want to invite you to Chicago to watch the premiere of Captain America with me uh, here at the uh, in the beautiful city of Chicago. Uh, just go to kellytruthsquad.com, click on the calendar, and uh, why don't you RSVP, uh, just to cover yourself, uh, event list at AOL. And uh, we'll uh, we'll have you out for a big party and and uh, and uh, and a movie. What can I tell you? And um, we are Alex. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. We are joined with by Alex Marlowe, uh, BigHollywood.com, who has recently written on the movie Captain America and uh, some of the controversy that is swirling around this movie. Because you can't you can't have a movie uh, glorifying America and uh, freedom uh, without offending some, uh, you know, some, some, uh, some of those uh, anti-American hippies out there. Uh, so uh, what do you, well, now, would, would you say, Alex, uh, I mean, would you say that this, this is really kind of something that we, that, that has, uh, uh, has like blown over? Or do you think that this is something that is just about to like take off? This this uh, this anti-American spirit that is rocking the the nation. Uh, the anti-American spirit regarding the movie itself, Captain America. Well, I mean, the spirit that is uh, that I mean that that kind of leads to this kind of this kind of uh, you know foolishness that somehow we we need to change the name of Captain America in order to make it palatable. Uh, to the rest of, to the rest of the world, you know. I mean, where do you think that this is? Uh, you know, that this mentality is something that is is something that we can look forward to for the rest of our lives, or do you think that we might actually be on the verge of a new patriotism? That twenty twelve. Well, if you had to guess, if you had to put, if you had to gamble, if you had to rest, you know, make a bet, would you say? That we're on the verge of a new patriotism, where in 2012 people are going to stand up and say, "No, we're we don't like the direction that this country's going. We're going to stand up and we're going to be proud Americans again." Or do you think we're just going to continue to just slide down this uh, this slippery slope of uh, allowing people to to act like America is something to be ashamed of? Well, I think I think we're we're having a bit of a backlash. I mean, having a having a president like Obama would do that, uh, right. not just here, but but abroad. But I, I have a one thing about this story, which is 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 a subtlety of it. That I think is very important is how much uh, it's overemphasized that the world hates us. Because mm. again, the option was you could leave America in the title or not, and the vast 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 majority of countries said, no, we want it to be in the title. And the right. reason why this is significant is because we're constantly told by the left 
that the world hates us and thinks that we're overextended and that, and that we're meddling in everyone's business. But when it comes down to it, they want their heroes to be Captain America, not the first Avenger. And so this means that there's a huge widespread myth that the world hates America when it's really just the world's left. And you know what, and really, not, yeah. They don't speak for everyone. And, and Alex, it really hurts me deeply, you know, in all seriousness, as somebody who loves America, because I know for a fact, I've seen it with my own eyes, how Hollywood can has a power uh, to make people in other countries love America. I know people who literally came to this country as a result of watching Hollywood movies and, you know, some TV shows and thinking that they were going to, you know, come to a great country because of what they saw in the movies. So why, why would anybody want to take that goodwill producing, you know, machine called Hollywood and turn it to a negative why it it, it really it, it it really does confound me alex what are your thoughts yeah it, it we're in a culture war and this is why uh andrew breitbart developed in hollywood and this is why he not just he not only developed it but this was his first blog so ah. we're out in la breitbart central and uh and 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 we see firsthand the influence that Hollywood has. One of our main theses of the website is that pop culture trumps politics in many, many instances. Uh, one of the best examples of this is Twitter, that your average conservative, uh, brilliant conservative thinker, who's one of the leading minds in the movement, might have 50,000 Twitter followers. Any mm. reality TV show has millions of Twitter followers. Uh -huh. any reality, Kim Kardashian has eight million. Lady Gaga has eleven million. People mm. are just these, are just consuming vast amounts of pop culture. And if we're going to allow for the left to take over Hollywood as they have for the last several decades and portray America in a negative light, then we are projecting to the rest of the world what they see on that silver screen. So if yes. we're allowing it to be an exclusively left wing town, we are we are. We are ceding power to the left, like uh, so many in middle America don't quite understand. Well, Alex, you know, that's music to my ears. Um, I don't know if you know my, my business. Business is I have a production company, and we've been producing TV and radio in, in Chicago, uh, the third largest media market in the country for uh, for about a decade now, Emmy Award-winning um, entertainment projects. But, you know, the goal is obviously feature film. Would you say that there is a conservative film community forming in L.A. that would be open to maybe some of our productions uh, coming out and, and hopefully getting produced? Yeah, there absolutely is. And I, if you send me an email, I can put you in touch with uh, the right people. But it's a, it, 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 this is a assault on all fronts. It has yes. to be from uh, alternative media, alternatives to the left-wing productions that Hollywood puts out. And it also has to be from within. It has to be getting jobs within Hollywood and working your way up. It's not specifically for you, Bill, but just for, for your listeners who are interested in Hollywood, uh, you can go the alternative route, but it's also good if people are, instead of just thinking they're going to head out to their state houses, to come to Hollywood and try to star in the movies and write the movies and work for a work for production team right. and getting big-budget things made. And then when it comes down to make major decisions, on how America is going to be portrayed, you're in the driver's seat because you've been there all along. Right. 
Well, Alex, you you would be amazed. I mean, even even you would be amazed if you could see, you know, the difficulty that we had as, you know, just conservatives in Chicago trying to make our production company successful. Uh, you know, I mean, we, we had, I, I've got a few stories that I can share with you. In fact, I, I might even just go ahead and just write it up and, and submit it as a story for big Hollywood. You know, what That'll it's like, great. yeah, what it's like to be a conservative in Chicago. Uh, and um, in fact, we even made a little bit of a documentary about that subject. If you go to our YouTube channel, uh, Truth Squad, uh, Kelly Truth Squad, and, and view the conservative in Chicago documentary, I think it'll absolutely blow your mind. But um, Alex, I, I truly appreciate what you're doing with BigHollywood.com, and and um, you know I, I'm looking forward to uh, you know contributing obviously more to Big Hollywood, um, and uh, and then also uh, hopefully meeting you. And and uh, do you ever make it out to Chicago where we uh, tape our show? You know I haven't yet. You say I spent a lot of time in a lot of the major metropolitan media centers of the of this great land of ours, but not Chicago. Well, then and we'll just have to... Story, uh, yeah. But your story is one you hear about in every city. You hear yes. about this in New York, you hear about it in L.A., yes. you hear about it in San Francisco. This is, this is a... It, 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 there are so many of us that experience variations on the same theme that the liberal left media and entertainment communities are oppressive to conservative thought and to conservative people. And it's up to us to keep fighting and to build each other up and to encourage each other to go in and take the fight, not just on the political front, but on the culture front. Well, Alex, I, I truly appreciate what you're doing. And, um, you know, I, I've been out to L.A. and obviously pitching projects and auditioning and whatnot. And and um, next time I'm out there, I will definitely look you up. And in the meantime, I, I will uh, I'll write this uh, conservative in Chicago story up for you and, and submit it to uh, BigHollywood.com. That'd be great. I love that. Awesome, Alex. Thanks for being with us. Hope you'll be uh, be joining us again in the future. And, and if you want to join us for our Captain America party, go to kellytruesquad.com and uh, get all the information. Have no fear. The Kelly True Squad will be right back after this. The Kelly Truth Squad, your alternative resistance news source. Welcome back to the Kelly Truth Squad. I am William Kelly, and I'm very excited, very much looking forward to bringing the Truth Squad to TV, Truth Squad Television. Uh, you can find out all about that at kellytruthsquad.com, and you can also find out a little bit about our history, and I think it's important that people know kind of where the truth squad came from so that they won't be si- they won't be uh, like blown off course when all these liberals, you know, the Keith Obermans of the world, he, he attacked me. He called me one of his worst people in the world. Believe oh, it or not. Congratulations. Yeah. If you go to that, uh, if you go to that uh, Kelly truth squad uh, YouTube channel, you can, you can see that as well as some of the old uh, videos uh, from, from when we got, we, we first uh, got started here in, in Chicago. All right. But uh, but now we're national. And uh, one of the big concerns that I have when I sit down with uh, our producers and uh, our panel of advisors 
and our PR experts and crisis management team. They say that the big one of the big problems that we're going to have is that these uh, liberal activists, the Bill Mars of the world, the Chris Matthews of the world, they're going to take some of the old clips. They're going to take some of the history of what I've done in the past, yes. and they're going to try to use that against me now, Aww. now that I'm a national conservative uh, uh, commentator, um, and they're going to try to discredit me because they know something. They know that what uh, that um, that whereas a liberal uh, commentator can get away with anything, uh, conservative commentators typically they have to be above reproach, and uh, because then otherwise, uh, and you know, and, and what I'm concerned about is that they're going to take some of the things that I've done in the past and they're going to take them out of context. You see what I'm saying? I hear you. That's how they do it. If they can't find mud, they just start slinging mud. They just start, you know, they, 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 if you're not dirty, they will throw mud at you and call you dirty is what they're going to do. And uh, I understand that, that that's uh you know, I, I'm not, um, you know, I'm from the South side of Chicago. I understand that game and I, and I, and I'm not here, um, you know, because I'm afraid I'm here because I want to stand up for, for what I believe in or for what I love. And um, so I would say go to kellytruthsquad.com, watch some of those uh, YouTube videos. So when your friends say, no, 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 you can't listen to William Kelly, you can't trust William Kelly. Um, uh, I heard a, a lot of bad things about William Kelly coming out of, coming out of Bill Maher's mouth, coming out of uh, Keith Oberman's mouth, okay? Then you're going to be able to defend me Okay, you're going to be able to defend me the way I'm trying to defend the United States of America and save Western civilization. So anyway, um, you can go to kellytruesquad.com. You can click on, uh, you know, my spectator column about how we tried to challenge Rahm Emanuel's petitions when he was running for uh, mayor of the city of Chicago. It turned out that he didn't he was not a, a legal resident of the city of Chicago. So I um, challenged his petitions. But of course, it turned out that Rom was not uh, held to the same laws, the same rules, the same standards as other people. He was he he's held to a double standard, a corrupt Chicago standard. So I wrote a little song about it. And uh, hey, Brian, do we have time to sing the song? Sure, go ahead. Let's do it. Why are there so many rumors about Rombo? And what is he trying to hide? Rombo's a villain, merely a bully, and Rombo is not on our side. So we've been told that he's our next mayor, but not without residency someday we'll find it the rombo corruption the reporters the reformers and me daily is under his spell i think that it's probably mine Who said that every vote would have to be counted like the accounting at Freddie Mac? Someone must pay for that, probably taxpayers, 
We've all been stabbed in the back. Where are the jobs that the stimulus is creating? Is this the end of democracy? Someday we'll find it, the rombo corruption, the reporters, the reformers, and me. That, um, yeah, that's a classic. That's a, that's that was one of the original Truth Squad parody songs. That's a good one. Can the, we stop holding hands now? <laughs> hey, that's how rumors get started. <laughs> and I, and I'm trying to stop the rumors. You know, we've got uh, oh my god, we've got uh, we got Keith Olbermann out there attacking me, calling me one of the worst people in the world. And uh, and now he's got this whole uh, Al Gore went out and actually created this whole TV network, uh, the current. The current TV and um, currently uh, going after William Kelly, currently attacking <laughs> William Kelly. What else is new? And I know you're on Stephen Colbert's list Stephen, now. Now Stephen Colbert's after me. But uh, but, you know, we're old Chicago Second City uh, alums. Me and Stephen uh, there at the training center at the Second City Conservatory. Uh, so uh, I, I am I'm ready for I, I, I know Stephen Colbert's tricks. I know what he's got up his sleeves. Um, but this uh, this Keith Overman, he. He's a he is a, he's an opponent that I'm I'm a little worried about. I, I don't really I don't have a good read on this guy. I can't it's the really, glasses. It might be the glasses. I, I don't really know what's going on behind those glasses, and um, so I'm a little worried about that. But uh, but you know something, we're gonna go out. We're just gonna play our own game. We're gonna do our own thing. And one of the things that we are engaged in now is an epic battle, a truly epic battle of epic proportions. I have challenged Rahm Emanuel, the current mayor of the city of Chicago, to a triathlon, as they say it here in Chicago. It features swimming, bicycle riding, and running. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I've, done, um, I've done all three of those things in my life, but never at the same time, no. I, 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 usually, uh, I usually do one of those things and then I take a little break. But, uh, but on August 27th, I'm inviting you, the Truth Squad, to come out to the great uh, city of Chicago um, to, uh, to watch me as I, as I do battle with, uh, with our mayor. Um, I, I have uh, engaged in these sport challenges before. I challenged Blagojevich to a drag race, of which he declined. Um, and uh, that's actually true. You can go on YouTube. You can search that. He uh, may actually get a chance to uh, do that again. <laughs> if I were him, I would be. Uh, I would definitely be. Uh, I would be flooring it right now. I would shave that hair off. Yeah. Before that, prison. That's a good call. I, I, w- I would shave that hair off and 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 run. <laughs> that's what I would do. I would I would uh, invest in a disguise. And uh, and then you have uh, this Junulius. I don't know if you remember him. He was the state treasurer, ran for uh, for uh, United States Senate from the state of Illinois. I challenged this guy to a boxing match. Okay. But uh, and, I, and uh, it wasn't just like one of these you know joking you know step outside business. Okay. It was for the Mercy Home for Boys and Girls. I got uh, L.A. Boxing to be a sponsor. Twenty thousand dollars would have gone to the Mercy Home for Boys and Girls. I would imagine that they would have split that evenly. Ten thousand for the boys. Ten thousand for the girls. But uh, but Janulius 
Janulius didn't call me back. What a punk. You see what I'm saying? Unbelievable. He He's a professional uh, basketball player. He played professional ba- uh, basketball in Greece. He's in great shape. Sure. Um, and um, it was three one-minute rounds. Anyone can do that. Sure. Uh, but the guy doesn't even call me back. I mean, he could bankrupt a bank in that, that short of time. There, there you go. <laughs> so uh, I thought that would be, uh, I thought that this would be a goodwill builder for him. And you know what? And you see what happens when these Democrats, when they duck my challenges, they lose. Blago, he did not take me up on my uh, my drag racing challenge. What happens? He gets convicted on 17,000 counts of felonies or something like that. Enjoy um, your stay at Club Fed. There you go. Janulius, uh, he does not take me up on my boxing challenge, sports challenge for charity, and he loses the, uh, the U.S. Senate race. And now uh, Rahm Emanuel, who actually initially entered the triathlon. He registered for the triathlon, the Chicago triathlon, August 27th. When he found out that I was also uh, participating, he claimed, and you can Google this, that he twisted his ankle. Oh, I saw that on the Brady Bunch. Yeah. Don't believe it. I I don't believe it. I don't believe it for one. Thank you for joining the Truth Squad. Uh, Sorry we didn't get to P.J. O'Rourke. We'll try to get him on the show next week. KellyTruthSquad.com is where you're going to find out about all the uh, all of our road trips and events and movie preview parties. We'll see you next week.